0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Going live soon on the stream. We rejoice in our Father and in our Lord. Turn to celebrate on Palm Sunday the exaltation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem. good morning good morning Uh, happy Palm Sunday thank you for joining uh, this presentation Zion Baptist Church's message for Palm uh, Sunday I want to Encourage you that as you know, we may not be in our location, uh, but as we know, the brick and mortar uh, does not make the church for the church is the body of Christ. And so we can be like the old church were started within homes uh, that in the in your own home right now in the comfort of your own residence. Uh, may you join with your brothers and sisters in Christ and worship God uh, today. Also, I uh, want to share as in this. It's our first Sunday, and normally we'd be together and celebrating in the communion, uh, preparing to maybe to send out information about how in our own way uh, that we can still celebrate uh, the breaking of bread and drinking uh, of this cup together. Uh, and the Bible reminds us, as often as we do this, we do some remembrance of him. So we, though we may miss uh, this Sunday, hopefully the next time we do come together in community, uh, we'll be able to celebrate communion, celebrate Uh, the the death, burial, and the resurrection, and continue to do it until it's coming back again. And so we want to worship in our own houses today. We want to celebrate and remember the triumphant entry of Christ uh, into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. Um, Let us also keep in mind, though, that later on this same week, he is later on convicted as an innocent man to die by crucifixion. And so how quickly things can change and just want to point that out truly in our lives, how rapidly our lives are changing due to the situation. Uh, But yet if we know that if Christ can still encourage us and strengthen us, may we have that same kind of endurance and patience and trust to know that he will bring us through. He will see us through uh, what we're facing. And so in our text today, it describes Jesus approaching Jerusalem uh, and he's instructing his disciples. Uh, to bring him what he needs uh, for his entry to fulfill the prophecy as the gospel writer records in Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 11. Uh, so that's going to be our focus uh, text today, uh, this morning. Uh, our subject matter we're going to try to deal with is humble like a king. And so with that, we want to have a moment of prayer for enlightenment, for God's word and joining you in prayer as many of us have been touched in different ways by this pandemic. Some of us know some one now personally, intimately who has contracted or has passed uh, from this. And so we know we are indefinitely in dark times of trying to see our way through this. But let us look to our, our God, who is our hope, who is our strength. Father, we ask you right now to guide us, direct us and keep us. Bless our families. Bless our, our loved ones. Lord, we ask you continue to give us strength and endurance as we have Come to know someone now personally who's contracted this virus. That there's not no longer just a number, a statistic, but now someone who we know, whom we love. And Father, we ask you just continue to bless us and strengthen us that we can see our way through this. And we ask you to continue to bless those, the Lord, dealing with grief and loss and mourning. Uh, we are asking for your comfort, so may we gain comfort, Lord, from your word today. May we gain hope uh, from your word today. May we be encouraged. Uh, by your word today. Speak, almighty Father, Lord. Bless our, our family rooms, our living rooms, our dens, wherever we might be gathering right mo- at this moment and at this time, even in our vehicles. Uh, may we worship you. May we honor you through the preaching and teaching of your word, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our prayer is that we might see Jesus and have his word hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against him. And so looking into our text, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The word of God says from Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses one through 11 says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethlehem on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there. He said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there and with it his coat beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey and on a donkey's coat. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the coat to him and they threw their garments over the coat and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus. The prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so we look upon this test. A few things I want to highlight about this one. Jesus gave his disciples instructions of how he was to enter. And you see obedience was displayed there, that not only did the disciples obey, but also he says that when you take what belongs to this owner, let them know that the Lord is in need. And he will release it to you, too. The people responded to this image that happened to them as the gospel writer points out was a fulfillment of prophecy. And third, where my subject matter comes into the New Living Translation says that behold, your king, look, your king is coming. He is humble. And so we're going to spend that latter part of our message dealing with that context and that concept being humble like a king. So Jesus sends the two disciples ahead. When they get to the town of Bethphagee on the Mount of Olives, the, the setting has some meaning here, right? So he's on a town called Bethphagee and it's on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is not necessarily a mountain range, as the words describe, but a hilly area uh, familiar to that region and to the area. And the setting and the location has meaning, has purpose. Bethphagee, for one, means house of unripe figs. And, and part of Jesus entering into here, he he deals with fig trees and talk about fruit. So there's another overlapping meaning there in Bethany, meaning unhouse of unripe figs, which is also close to Bethany, which is a place where he will later reside while he's spending his week there in Jerusalem before he gets crucified on the cross. And so also it could be the business possibly that was nearby that he sent those two disciples, uh, to go and receive the coat and the donkey. And so then also notice the major region that is, is dominated is the Mount of Olives. Uh, and this is referred to in Zechariah 14, chapter verse four, where it says Yahweh is standing on the Mount of Olives in a time of, of eschatological fulfillment, at end time fulfillment. And so we can see the echo of this scripture adding even more significance to Jesus's presence on Mount Olives to signals that his events, And that's going to lead to the crucifixion for the redemption of the world. Notably also from this is that Mount Olives also is where Jesus ascends to heaven. And and from that site, he says he will return in the last day. So here again, this the setting is given deeper theological meaning to uh, Mount Olives, to Bethany, to Bethany, Uh, Pointing out that this is a significant moment, a mountain top experience, a place of purpose, a place of presence, a place that Jesus says, not only what did I send from here, but yet I'm going to come back uh, from this place. But also this is also the starting point that's leading to uh, the passion, leading to Good Friday, leading to his death, his burial and to his resurrection. And so we see that the settings being set of this great A stage of presence to take place that's going to happen here. So Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy and notice the gospel writers is quoting Isaiah 62 and 11 and Zechariah 9 and 9. It combines this together. Isaiah 62 and 11 says, the Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him. As he comes, that's where we get that word, hosanna. I mean, the Lord uh, saves. And, and so it says he is coming. And Zechariah 9, 9 describes how he is coming. It says, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout and triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's Cult. Again, it's pointing out how he is coming, but also a shout of rejoicing. And 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 notice it says Jerusalem, and it says the Zion. It basically can be the, the city, the location. Also Zion can mean the, the place of worship. Also Zion can mean the chosen people in all totality. And so here it is that it's saying the people to rejoice. Your Savior is coming by not only your Savior, but also your King is coming. So here it is that here it is Jesus is now coming into Jerusalem and fulfilling this prophecy during this time that, hey, wait a minute, here comes the King, here comes our Savior, here comes the Messiah, and he's riding on the donkey. On a donkey's coat. So the people rejoicing because of this prophetic presence before this picture before them. And it's been meeting the description, their anticipation of deliverance and salvation is showing to them right here. And so the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. And it says, He brought the donkey and the coat to him, and they were threw garments over the coat, and He sat on it. And so the crowd around it wasn't part of this. But here's what I want to grab attention to. Notice in verse 11, some caught on what was happening. But in verse 11, some says, And the crowds replied, Is Jesus the prophet from the Nazareth in Galilee? Because some were asking, Who is this? And so. Jeopardy. If you were playing Jeopardy in this situation, right, in Jeopardy, right, they give you the answer, uh, which is the question. And you have to give the answer in a form of a question. So uh, the answer or the question is Jesus. And and they said, you know, it is who is this? <laughs> and the others had to help them out. Like, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, who is this? Now, this? It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and So the question is then, and the answer would be, for Jeopardy's part, is Jesus. And so who is Jesus, right? So then if the answer is Jesus, well, can you just say he is a prophet? Mm, that won't be it. So who is the son of God or who is the lamb of God or who is my redeemer? Who is my savior? Who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Who is the lily in the valley? Who is the, the rose of Sharon? Who is the bright And Morning Star, who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the beginning and the end, who is the author and the finisher of my faith, who is the son of David, who is the one born of the Virgin Mary, who is the only begotten son of God, who is king of kings, who is lord of lords, who is Jesus, the only begotten son of God, our resurrected redeemer and savior, who is my God. And so when you look at some are grabbing, like, who is he? We can find out that not just one answer can define how great our God is, that he is Jesus. He is the son of God. But yet we have a a great libraries describing the the deep, the divinity and the theology of what it means to be fully man and fully God. Two natures in one fully divine. Jesus, the son of God. And notice that he's being described here in this earthly fashion that is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Uh, and notice that the people are in awe and, and, and receiving him and saying, and that, but notice that some also said they praised him for he is the son of David. They also blessed God for Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. And then also some said he was just a prophet. Uh, from Nazan Galilee, but you put it all together, right? He's the son of David. That means he is king. He's rightful heir. That he comes in the name of the Lord. He's been sent by God. He's the chosen one by God. He is the Messiah. And yes, he is a prophet. And then also that's another thing about who is Jesus, that he is a prophet, he is a priest, he is a king. In the order of Melchizedek, as we read about in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, that, that our Jesus is somebody specifically beyond our, our, our imagination, understanding, because he is great. That's why we can just say he's awesome, because he is an amazing and puts us in awe when we think of who he is. And he comes humble as a king. And I play on that word, right, because oftentimes you may not think as a king as humble because oftentimes kings make entrances, right, grand as this is. And so think about he's coming in almost as a grand entrance, as a big entrance, but yet he is humble. He is modest. He is unassuming in his presence and in his presentation and his character. Jesus demonstrates quiet power and strength by his humility. Think what it means to, to be all-powerful and all-knowing at the same time and unassuming and meek at the same time. Here is Jesus who can make this claim. Jesus who can make the winds and the air uh, and the waves and the sea obey his command. He can walk on water, yet also known as a son of a carpenter, the Son of God, fully, div- uh, fully uh, divine, clothed in majesty, uh, but also clothed in the flesh to show us his submission, to show us surrendering his power to be submissive to the will of God. Sometimes we see people in power flaunt their power and their authority and, and want to be celebrated and maybe act self-righteous with the with pretentious behavior of saying I have every right and every right to do what I say or and do what I want because I have the power and I have the authority. But yet the creator of life, the creator of this world shows us humility. Jesus is modest and promotes a low view of his own importance and humbleness. Another way to define how he is humble is that in the biblical times it says that him to be humble was to be not, not impressive of, of a self-important. He is gentle. He is humble. He is meek. He is considerate. He is unassuming. Notice what Jesus tells us, he encourages those who are heavy burdened. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and sit and find rest for your soul, because he is meek. He is lowly. He is a loving, awesome God. This awesome power of love and humility and meekness is what brought, brings us closer into his presence. The creator of everything has all power, still wants us, hallelujah, to come to him and minister to us. And so this is the thing about him being humble like a king, that though he could force us, but he pulls us, he attracts us because of his love for us. And so I want to talk about the difference between force and, and power. Getting something to do, getting someone to do something because of your influence is power. Getting someone to do something under the compulsion of threat or, or violence is force. God does not force us to do anything. Hallelujah. Force is a, is basically just a strength or an energy or a physical way to make someone to do something, or war someone to do that under a, a, a person, a physical threat. But power is the ability to do something. And, or act in a particular way, especially in a faculty or and a quality. So you have the ability, you have the capacity, but yet, he has the power, but he doesn't have to force you. He doesn't have to flaunt it. He allows his influence uh, to be a calming presence. He allows his his behavior, his character to lead and guide in that process. And so Jesus did not force himself on the people. He just simply showed up on the coat, on the donkey, and by them seeing him, they realized that he is our king. He is our savior. And they exalted him, and they welcomed him. And as he's ushered in, someone running around like, who is this? And he is. Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth and Galilee. But notice what they were citing in that reciting when he's coming in. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. It, blessed is the, the son of David, the king. And so when we understand that Jesus is king, that he is righteous, that he is holy, he is pure, then it tries to put in perspective Then who am I? Where do I stand? Have I... Open myself up to receive him. Have I humbled myself before him as he shows us what humility looks like? Can I be broken and be surrendered to him? Can I allow his love move me and show me who he is as his love is leading him to Calvary? The power, this, this power of love that he shows us, the power to save us, to restore us and to reconcile us and to bring back the loss. May we make room in our own lives right now for this humble king to come to our our house. May we surrender to him in our house. May we surrender to his will in our house. May we learn to be humble like Jesus, who is the King of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who is the host of hosts, who is the great I am. He has all power in his hands, but yet he was willing to submit, surrender, and willingly die on the cross for our sins. May we be able to humble ourselves today. And deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow after Jesus. May we be able to surrender. May we be able to confess. May we be able to repent and tell someone, hey, I was wrong and what I've done. Let me be humble like my king. Let me be submissive like my king. Let me be more prayerful, more loving, more encouraging. Let us pray. Lord, we welcome you in our heart. You are a victorious king. We therefore surrender your will. Uh, we surrender to your life. That our, our life will line up with your will and your purpose. Help us to forever trust you and depend on you. And keep you centered in our heart as our king. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining uh, this week's message presented by Zion Baptist Church for Palm Sunday. May you continue to recognize him as your king. May you humble yourself before this great humble king. And may he bless you uh, this week. And we'd be looking to continue to celebrate our Passion Week uh, with maybe some daily moments being posted uh, on Facebook. And so keep in tune for that. And may God bless you. May he keep you. Jesus loves you. And so do I.